When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As always, it's newer, and I'm here solo today. Um, I'm just going to be chatting very briefly about Lana and mostly about OC. And the reason for that is because I was on Ryan Bailey's podcast, So Bad It's Good, with Ryan Bailey um, this week or last week, and I talked a lot in um, more detail about Atlanta. So I'm going to keep it brief about Atlanta, and um, we'll mostly talk about OC. Atlantic City. Could you imagine Real Housewives of Atlantic City? I would like to see that. Okay, I would. Um, in the words of Monique. Okay, um, but let's talk about Atlanta first, and then we'll talk about OC. And it's going to be a mini episode because um, I've got other things going on this weekend. Also, I just want to say thank you guys so much for your reviews. And um, last week, somebody sent me a really, really lovely voice note. A person named Mariam or Mariam sent me a really lovely voice note about the stuff that I was talking about with my mom and, you know, healing as uh, healing your childhood um, as a parent and going to therapy and our relationship with our parents and everything like that. So um, if you are listening to this, send me an email, will ya? Um, my uh, email address is therealityispod at gmail.com. Um, also, if anybody else wants to send me an email, I love emails. Um uh, do send, send me a note, um, because it was lovely and I'd love to connect with you. Um, okay. Let's talk about Atlanta. Oh, oh. And (laughs) I swear to God, I will start. Um, the other thought I had is that, um, thank you for the other kind words. I had a lot of people reach out over reviews and also, um, in just my DMS about, uh, the stuff that I was talking about with parenting and how it resonated with them. And I just, uh, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate the feedback and I appreciate feeling like I'm not just losing my mind. I mean, I was on, like I said, a lot of drugs. I had the flu. And so I don't know if most of the stuff that I said made sense, but I'm happy that it did. Um, and, and I appreciate you. Um, okay. Thanks. That's it. All right. Let's talk about Atlanta. Um, the girls are still in Portugal, um, except for Candy, who said, fuck this show. Um, but fuck the show, but not before I call up Cynthia and Kenya and bitch out, bitch about how Drew is a liar, liar, pants on fire. Now let's talk about Drew. This entire episode was 
you know, a class act. It was, um, if you heard me on Ryan Billy's podcast, he mentioned this about how Drew has almost a Tamara level superpower of deflection. And I think deflection is a really important part of being a really, really great housewife. Um, if you know how to deflect and you know how to keep people distracted and confused, it's great. You're doing great. Like even, you know, this whole thing about it started with did Drew kiss LaToya? Drew says, no, she did not. And in while this argument is going on between Candy and Drew, uh, Marlo records it and then sends it to LaToya. <laughs> then LaToya calls Drew. And then she also, I think, calls Candy. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, I have to say, like, from that point forward, we're no longer talking about whether or not Drew kissed LaToya. We have switched it over to is Marlo a snake for say doing what she did, uh, secretly recording Drew's conversation and then texting it to LaToya, right? Because it doesn't just, just it's not just is Marlo a snake for doing that. Then it goes to, well, Manetta was also recording on her phone. And then it's like, well, Manetta is like, no, I stopped recording. But what Manetta did do, which is kind of snake behavior, is she sat in on a conversation of all the girls talking, all the girls on the Marlo team, which is Sheree, Sonia, and Marlo, talking to Cousin Corny, as Cara Berry calls her, and telling her how Drew is not to be trusted, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, Manetta goes and tells Drew exactly that, and she tells Candy, and she tells Kenya. So, is Manetta screw? Is Marlo a snake for recording them secretly? Sure. E texting Latoya. Sure. Um, is Manetta a snake for recording them, and then no longer recording when they said, "Hey, can you put your phones down?" No, she's not because she turned it off. But is she a snake for sitting in on a conversation and then repeating it to the person who they were talking shit about? Mm. Some might call it a snake. Some might call it a loyal friend. You know, it's like the difference between are you a freedom fighter or are you a terrorist? It depends on which side you're on, to be completely honest. Um, but again, we are not even talking about the fact that Drew did lie about hooking up with LaToya. She made out with LaToya, period. That's it. She did. And the whole thing is incredible because, like I said, we're no longer talking about that. Then we switch over to like cousin Courtney needs to be like protected. Why are we fighting over cousin Courtney? That's a great question. And then, of course, Kenya, as she does, um, uh, Mama Twirl here, she gets involved just because she doesn't like Courtney. Straight up, she doesn't like Courtney. And so she's going to go after Courtney. And I think that that's fair. I think it's fine to not like people. Courtney is annoying. She's annoying. And she's not. It's just so funny. Drew's like, you know, Courtney, I'm just looking out for you because you're, you know, we're blood. You're Ralph's blood. D just barely. He just knew she existed like three weeks ago. Um, but it all kind of goes over to snakes and snitching and edges and collusion. <laughs> and then at the end, by the end of it, we have gone over to a a comment Marlo made in passing about Ralph's uh, financials, which Drew came at Marlo first. Mar Marlo responded. And then Drew sent a text to Ralph to say that Marlo's talking shit about you. 
Ralph then, or I'm either it was a text or a conversation, whatever. Then Ralph texts Marlo and tells her to keep his name out of her mouth. And then again, we are talking about all kinds of other stuff and not the initial thing, which is Drew, you're a liar, liar, pants on fire. You did make out with Latoya. And if you did, what about it? Who cares? Who cares? It's not a big deal. You know, people who get like this hopped up about this stuff, I mean, it gives me very um, low-key homophobic. Also, like, not to say that Drew belongs to a church that is like anti-LGBTQ. I don't know if it is. But Drew, Drew does a lot of like old school, not just Christian, any religion, old school misogyny, right? Which like really permeates and Orthodox Jewish communities, Orthodox Orthodox Muslim communities, Orthodox Christian communities, right? It's like a big part of like the closer you are to the church or any religious organization, the more ingrained in misogyny you are. And like Drew's done that a lot. Drew does a lot of like, I'm a goody girl wife and I, you know, I stand by my man and I support his misogyny and all that shit. But she does it in a way where she's always putting down women or putting down people in some way. Like she's really, I don't know if she realizes like how homophobic it's coming off because her being like, no, I've never kissed a girl. No, I don't think that that's true, Drew. Especially because we literally saw you do that. There's a grainy footage of her saying something like, oh, I'm gay now or something like that. Or you you turned me into a lesbian now or something like that. Who cares? Honestly, who cares? Also, Drew calls Portuguese people pilgrims. And it's crazy to say this, but like Marlo is definitely wrong. Sheree is definitely wrong. But I feel like this episode, Sheree and Marlo won. Sheree said, why is Drew upset about being recorded when you're literally filming a reality TV show? And Marlo was like shading Drew back in a very logical way. Marlo's mostly wrong, but she's not wrong in this situation when Drew's like, oh, what do you do? How do you make your money? Blah, 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 right? And Marlo said it back. Oh, your husband's in tech. You know. You should know. It's all public record. And I think what Marlo's trying to insinuate here is what Drew has has now admitted, which is my husband is broke. <laughs> uh, I love Atlanta. Um, I will say that I mentioned this on Ryan Bailey's podcast, I'll just say it here. I do think that the issue here is that there's such long-standing beefs between these people that I don't think that it's ever going to be comfortable for them to, you know, film with each other. I was going to say tape with each other. (laughs) But, like, Kenya is kind of – Kenya is honestly behaving a lot of the way that, like, Nini used to. The one thing I will say is like Kenya still has emotional moments. You know, Kenya still shows up on camera. Um, it's unfortunate she's fallen a couple of times and been unable to get back up and therefore needed to be taken to the doctor. But I, at least she's filming, you know. Um, Nini kind of just tapped out by towards the end. So I hope that Kenya can like – and, again, you know, when Kenya's back on, she's still checking in. She's still coming at Courtney um, and all that stuff. So – I don't know. Um, also, Sonia is the worst. I just have to say, Sonia is the worst. Sonia is the worst, and I am so over her. But congratulations on your pregnancy. Good for you. Okay, let's talk about OC. Um, all right. 
we join the Real Housewives of OC post uh, Shannon Storms Bedore storm off. Okay. Now, I have to say, I think everybody's thinking it. Why is Shannon mad at Heather? And how does Tamara manage to do this every single time? I, okay, I have a theory. So, first, before I talk about the theory, let's talk about how nonsensical this is. Tamara hears from Emily and Gina that. First of all, now you mean Emily and Gina. Tamara hears from Emily that Heather mentioned something about how Shannon's relationship maybe isn't as great as she's pretending that it is. That's all she probably said. Emily then says that to Tamara a day after telling Heather to go after Tamara. Okay. Emily tells Tamara, Tamara says, oh, I can't believe she's talking about Shannon's relationship. I am going to go and tell Shannon. Now, at this point on the television show, Tamara has mentioned how Shannon is a drunk. She has mentioned how the best thing about Tamara's relationship with David Bedore was David. She's mentioned that Shannon is, did I say Tamara's the best thing about Tamara? I'm sorry if I misspoke. Tamara says the best thing about Shannon and her relationship with David was David. She says that Shannon is a drunk. She says that Shannon and John Jansen have been known to get drunk and get into fights with each other. Heather's never said any of those things on camera. Tamara has said those those things on camera. Tamara is on camera and she is somehow pulling the sheep's wool over everybody's eyes. It's incredible. It's honestly a skill. It's a skill that I wish like Drew would get and I feel like she could get it. But like Tamara's just so good at this. She somehow convinces Shannon that Heather's been the one talking shit about her. Shannon storms off mad that her relationship is being brought up on camera Tamara's the one who brought it up on camera and still Shannon is mad at Heather. I'm confused, but I have a theory about why Tamara is doing this. So the fact that Vicky is also on this episode, I feel like Tamara and Vicky heard about the um, crappy lake show. I think at this point, Luann and um, uh, Sonia were already doing their crappy lake um, filming. And I have a feeling that Vicky, after being kicked off of the television show that she was on um, and then kind of being a, an absolute maniac on um, Ultimate Girls Trip, Tamara was like, I think that they won't take us if we're Tamara and Vicky, but if we could get Shannon and call it the Trace Amigas, maybe they'll let us have a spinoff. And I think that is why they decided to, Tamara has decided to drop everything with Double and Jen and then get Shannon on her side And the only way to get Shannon on her side is by ensuring that Shannon and Heather don't have a relationship anymore. Shannon can only be your friend if you are like somehow fighting for her or like showing you her, your loyalty for her because Shannon doesn't know how to like just maintain a regular friendship with a person. That's my theory and I'm sticking to it. Okay. Um, Emily and Shane have a couple of scenes this episode. First, they go to the pumpkin patch. Then they go um, and have a dinner later. Um, Emily has like kind of a meltdown because she feels like their relationship is so awkward and or like she feels like she doesn't appreciate Shane undermining her in front of the kids. And she's really struggling with like wanting to feel like the family that she didn't grow up having. But I wish that somebody would tell Emily that like the family that you grew, you grew up not having of like the mom, dad and the kids 
you have probably painted a much more flowery picture of what that looks like than is actual reality. In reality, even when you have a perfect family where you love each other and you want to stay married and everything, you have squabbles like this. I'm not saying that Shane is not in the wrong because Shane can be a real dickhead, but it's you know, Emily having that like emotional breakdown kind of tells me that like she thought that if she quits her job and she becomes a stay-at-home mom and Shane takes on more of like the dad, the typical traditional dad role, maybe she'll start to feel more like complete, like that hole that she was missing from her childhood, that it'll feel more complete. Um, But, you know, I think that maybe we as adults need to realize that we can't we can't um, correct the holes in our lives as as children that we had as children as adults. Those holes existed because adults screwed us, us up as kids, and we can heal that relationship with the adults who did it, but it's not your husband's responsibility or even your responsibility to heal your inner childhood in that way. It's okay to honor her and respect her and say, I'm sorry that that happened to you, but you don't have to fix it by creating the life that you didn't have as a child, as an adult. Does that make sense? Maybe I need to think that through a little bit more. Give me some feedback. Okay, anyway. Um, Double and Jen and Tamara meet, and Tamara is somehow suddenly coming in, tail between her legs. She blames it on booze. She blames it on cut fitness. She blames it on Eddie's grandmother, who we don't know. Um, but she blames all those things and also herself for talking all that shit. I'm very confused because just the episode prior, and I'm like, Jen, Double and Jen is also confused. The episode prior is when she's like, I'm going to bring Heather Amin here and I'm going to show Jen what's up and I'm going to drive her out and blah, 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 blah. But then she comes in and she's, she literally the episode before was saying how Double and Jen is threatening Heather Amin and all this stuff. And it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Um, Jen is confused. I'm confused, but I'm not confused because I know what's happening. Tamara has decided to drop the Jen stuff as a storyline. She wants to focus on going after Heather, period. That's it. She invites Jen and Ryan to a triple date with Shannon and John Jensen. And you know that she did that because she cannot stand to be with Shannon and John again. No way. Um, Heather has dinner with Mark Cuban, which was very confusing. Um, we learned about this Fireside Project, which is like a streaming platform where you stream live television, but it's interactive. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means, but I would love to know. Poor Heather. She's literally starting her life over. She wants to do all these things. She wants to make content. Heather, how is this strike impacting you? Because I'm assuming that Heather is a SAG member. She's a member of SAG. And so she's striking. We're in a strike. And I guess if she's also making projects and she's producing and she's writing and all this stuff, she's probably part of the writer's strike too. But she's definitely part of the SAG strike. So poor, poor Heather came in. Big projects, new chapter of life. I'm going to be an actress. And here we are in a strike. I mean, not nah, poor Heather. This woman just sold her house for $55 million. Let's be ridiculous. Let's let's not be ridiculous. Um, okay, Gina meets Double and Jen in a classic OC boutique where they're buying knickknacks. Again, OC loves a boutique and they talk about their friendship. 
and Gina's real estate dreams and whatever. But like essentially they get to this point where Gina says everybody should back off of Heather. I'm sorry. Everybody should back off of Jen because Jen, cause she has now also gotten over it. I think Heather, I think Tamara was like, okay, Gina, you're going to need to drop this devil and Jen uh, storyline because we're all going after Heather now. We're all going to focus on Shannon and Heather. That's what we're doing. And it's like, okay. But Gina has now decided to forgive Double and Jen. And she says something like, it's easier for, pe- for people to talk about themselves. Sorry. She says it's easier for people to talk about everyone else so that they don't have to talk about themselves. Ooh, Gina, the call is coming from inside the house, babe. Um, Heather, Jen, and Tamara go to work out, and Heather shares that she's moving um, or she's buying a penthouse. She doesn't mention about selling her house, and Tamara doesn't care. Tamara is just too busy trying to trick Heather into talking about Shannon on camera. And this is, again, Tamara's a liar. Tamara's like, well, Heather, did you forget that you told me? No, Heather never told her that, and she's on camera admitting that Heather never said anything to her. So what are you trying to do? And Heather's not falling for it. And I'm happy for Heather that she's figured it out because Tamara is not your friend, period. She is, she's not anybody's friend. Um, Ryan Billy said it on his podcast. Tamara's only friend is herself. She loves herself more than anybody else on the show. Um, and she probably loves fucking Ryan also, her stupid ass, insurrectionist, Trump ass, stupid QAnon, piece of shit, racist ass, transphobic ass son. Um, but Tamara tries it and Heather's not taking the bait. Mm-mm. Um, Gina and Travis have a pretend to be realtors scene. I don't care about it. I don't. Mm-mm, no, I'm not interested. Then we head to this boat triple date at John Jensen's house, and it is the most awkward trio I have ever seen in my life. Tamara and Eddie, John Jensen and Shannon, and Ryan and Double and Jen. It's so awkward. Do I think that Ryan dresses like a Backstreet Boy? Yes. Do I think Tamara has any right to say, I can't stop staring at Ryan because he dresses so silly? Ma'am, your husband was dressed like AJ Soprano at his communion, okay? At your cut fitness party, okay? He looked like somebody who was cosplaying at as somebody who uh, he was cosplaying as a ska band in New Jersey at the Warp Tour, okay? And you're going to talk about this man dressing silly? No. At dinner, it's super awkward, but Eddie keeps alluding to like sex stuff between Ryan and Jen, which I think is so strange because your wife was very angrily, actively, aggressively talking about how Ryan is a garbage person. And now here you, and like how Jen shouldn't be with him. And here you are being like, oh, you two sex stuff. Get out of here. Anyway, it's super awkward. And Shannon and John Jensen get up to use the bathroom because John Jensen would really rather not be here. Um, So at that moment, Ryan, Jen, and Eddie and Tamara talk, and I wrote down exactly what Ryan said because, boy, what a word salad. Okay, here's what he said. First and foremost, brother, I could cry, but I owe you an apology because I care about you. And if something was told to me, even though I found out later it was not true – well, that's just not cool. I'm actually empathetic. It hurts my heart to see the hurt she's been dealing with on my behalf, and it's definitely been a struggle for me to know Jen's coming home in tears many a nights, and I hate it. And I'm feeling so truly hurt, and I'll be honest, a bit betrayed by you. 
what? Okay, let's break it up. So some of it I understand, right? Him saying, I'm empathetic and I hurt to see that she's dealing with tears and bullying because of me. So sure, that makes sense. Jen is now being held to an unfair standard because of something that Ryan did or Ryan's, you know, back, um, backstory. Um, sure. Okay. That part of it makes sense. But why does he say first and foremost, brother, I could cry, but I owe you an apology because I care about you. And if something was told to, to, was told to me, even though I thought I found out later, it was not true. Well, that's just not cool. What does that mean? He says that to Eddie. What? Why does he, why do you owe somebody an apology if what you said wasn't true? I'm very confused. Then he says, I'm feeling so hurt and I'll be honest, a bit betrayed by you. Um, betrayed by who? Eddie? Tamara? I, I, I guess what is happening is it sounds like Eddie found out, okay, Eddie says that the issue is that everybody thought that Ryan goes after married women. And then when Eddie found out about Ryan and Jen being together, that he thought, oh, he does go after married women. So he essentially blamed Ryan for uh, Jen's marriage breaking up. And I guess maybe they were friends with Jen's ex-husband. But it just still doesn't really make any sense besides the fact that Tamara's told Eddie that we have to drop it and you have to come in for me. I'm tagging you in for this to get resolved. And that's it. Because none of this makes any sense. Um, Ryan's doing a lot of like, I appreciate your time, brother. What? You're all on a television show. What do you mean appreciate your time? What are you talking about? Eddie also does like a speed round of are you a cheater? Um, and Eddie, I have to say, Eddie and Tamara also have like a pretty shaky connection about like when they first met. So it's really bold that Eddie is sitting here talking about like, oh, did you cheat on her? Are you with her? Blah, 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 all this stuff. Eddie and Tamara, they first met while Tamara was still married to Simon. They started openly dating officially two months after her divorce was final. So for Tamara and Eddie to sit here and talk about like, Oh, did you date her? Were you married to her? Did you leave her? Did she leave her husband for you? All that stuff. It's nonsense. I just think it's all nonsense. It's obvious that Tamara is doing all of this to clear her slate so that she can just go after Heather. That's it. They also allude to like the thing about like, did you say that you wanted to, you were going to sleep with Tamara? And he's like, no, I didn't actually say that. I said that she was hot when Heather was the one that would say all the time, oh, Tamara thinks you're hot. Tamara thinks you're hot. And then Tamara's like, oh, so Heather Amin is a liar? No, you're all liars. Shannon is like, I've known Heather Amin for years. She's a doll. I I don't think she's a liar. Your best friend are Tamara and Vicky. Vicky who lied about cancer. And you're going to be like, they're dolls. She's a doll. I don't know her to be a liar. Your best friends are liars. Shut up. Um, Tamara also says, like, if you cheated on her, then do you really love her? It's none of your business. It's literally none of your business, Tamara. Um, in the middle of all this, Heather and Terry hosted, like, what I like to call, like, a, a sitcom talk show. They hosted a <laughs> – they were the hosts of a – talk show that would be on a sitcom where Heather Dubrow is a talk show host. 
they were <laughs> they did their own version of Good Morning San Francisco from Full House, you know? Like that's what it felt like to me cuz they're like can we just talk about how fast all of this is? Is this a podcast? Like what is this? I don't know, but Heather is now just selling the house. She's moving full-time to LA again, poor thing. <laughs> now in the midst of a strike. Not poor thing. Sold her house for $55 million. But she says that the house represents a job that she doesn't want anymore and she doesn't want to live here anymore. And even though Heather is so unrelatable, I think that that was very relatable because I think that there is this thing that Heather has that I think I see so much of myself in. Heather is a hyper-focused person. She gets like like obsessions, I think. You know, like if she's going to be the housewife of OC, that's what she's going to be. If she's going to be a podcaster, she's going to be that. And she's going to do it 110%. Building her house was her entire personality for seasons upon seasons. You know what I mean? So I feel like when she says she doesn't want to do this job anymore, I think she means she's over the house. Like it can't be her personality anymore because it did become her personality. And I think that when she's a mother, she's like, I have to be a mother. I have to give it 110% and this will be my personality. And I don't think that she knows how to like fully compartmentalize in a way where she can give all of her energy to all the different things she has going on at the same time. I think she struggles with it, which I see so much of myself in her when it comes to that, you know? And so I thought it was, it's like, I get it, but also I don't get it because like, a $55 million house. Okay. Also, um, I don't know anything about LA except for I watched the Barbie movie and they were talking about Century City and Barbie movie and like how like it's a hub for toxic masculinity. And that's where they're moving. The Dubros. Hmm. Um, again, adding to my theory that they are all dropping all of the first half of the season drama just so they can go after Heather is confirmed when you watch the mid-season trailer. Um, again, I don't care for Vicky Gunvalson. I don't want to see her on my television. I'm over it. I don't need to see that. I don't need to see that. Um, so that's that. Um, that's it for this episode, this little baby mini one. Um, I'll be back later on next week to talk about, or this week, cause it is Sunday, um, to talk with Arthi about New York and hopefully, hopefully I'll get a guest on to talk about Atlanta and OC with me. And, um, and I'll be back with my brother to talk about pop culture stuff. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.